listening to The Big Album Show with Paul Dillon and Dan O'Neill. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of The Big Album Show. Uh, remember, please, to follow us uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, at The Big Album Show, on Instagram at The Big Album Show. And please, please, if you like what you hear, please uh, give us a, a, a shout out, show us some support, share us with your friends. Uh, and we'd really appreciate a review uh, from wherever you get your podcasts from. Dan, it's fair to say that we have reached new levels of support with our Big Album Show podcast. We really have. We've gotten fantastic encouragement from everyone who's been contacting us on our social media pages. And we have been number one at times um, in the music commentary podcast charts in Ireland, which is absolutely yes. fantastic. And we're, we're, we're really sharing those charts with some other excellent podcasts that we're big fans of. So it really is an honor um, to be in, in, in that chart with, with those other podcasts. Yeah, and to paraphrase Grandad from Only Fools and Horses, I always knew one day we'd get to the top of the charts. <laughs> um, but thank you to all our listeners who've made that possible. And thank you to the many listeners who listen to us, not only in Ireland, um, but in a growing number of countries around the world. Welcome to our listeners. And as far as we have Australia, uh, I'm not going to sing a song for you, but thank you for listening to us. Australia, Canada, um, we've got listeners in the US um, and we've got listeners right over all across the world. Um, and you're really very welcome onto the show. And thank you for uh, listening to us and supporting us here on the Big Album Show. Uh, Dan, our last uh, album that we talked about was the Manic Street Preachers, Everton Must Go. And tonight, it's fair to say, we are completely changing tack. Am I right? Yeah, I think so. I think... Uh... It, it, it's a different genre of music altogether um, still like everything must go I suppose it deals with um, a wide range of themes it does um, indeed Dan you better tell the people what, what, what we're doing though hmm? you better tell them the album name <laughs> What's Going On by Marvin Gaye What's Going On by Marvin Gaye released on the 20th of May 1971 Dan Dan you know one of the fascinating things about this album before we get into the uh, meat and drink office, right? Mm. Is the amount of Marvin Gaye songs which are in what you might call the popular songbook. I mean, the guy was a Motown legend, the Prince of Motown, they call him. And he really, really was Prince of Motown, Prince of Soul. So many songs just trip off the tongue, don't they, from Marvin Gaye? Oh, they do, right throughout his career, whether it was uh, I Heard It Through the Grapevine. Love it. Um, even and then I Heard It Through the Grapevine is a real upbeat kind of dancey disco kind of tune, isn't it? I mean, I mean, it's not disco, but it sounds to me like something that you'd hear in a disco. Yeah, it was definitely like Motown music was uh, music to dance to an awful yeah. lot of the time. Like his first single, Pride and Joy, in 1963, um, was another kind of a upbeat one. But then this album really changed direction for both Marvin Gaye, uh, Motown, and I suppose soul music in general. And then, of course, you, you mentioned some of uh, Marvin Gaye's kind of songs that have entered the popular songbook in, in, in albums. After What's Going On, you have classics such as Let's Get It On and yeah. Sexual Healing, which I'm sure um, all our listeners are familiar with because yeah. they're just kind of everywhere in popular culture. They, they are, and I mean, you know... It's fair to say that when you when you think about it, ain't no mountain high enough. Oh, yeah. um, 
let you know uh, I heard it through the grapevine. Wherever I lay my hat was uh, was originally put to record by Marvin Gaye, um, and of course, sexual healing and let's get it on. Ah, just all absolute classic, lovely, amazing songs uh, that are in the popular songbook. Um, I mean, you have to give a, I mean, awkward as it sounds sometimes to say the name of the song, you have to give a shout out to Sexual Healing. What a beautiful little tune. I mean, that's what you might call a banger from before a banger was even invented. <laughs> forgive the, forgive the phone, which was unintended. <laughs> yeah, it, he, he, so many of his songs are, are, are so good. And when when he 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 set out to create what's going on, there really was a shift in in his direction. Yeah, he was going through a a difficult time for a number of reasons. So you had uh, you mentioned um, "Ain't No Mountain High Enough." Of course, the other singer on that song was a uh, Tammy Terrell, who who sadly um, got very very ill and um, had a brain tumor, and, and, and that had a terrible away. terrible effect on him, didn't it, Dan? It, yeah, it, it it really did, and coupled with with that tragedy and awful circumstances like i i think tammy terrell herself deserves a very honorable mention because Definitely. the songs that she is on uh, um they're just they're, they're just brilliant um and and uh, coupled with that tragedy he had a marriage breakup he had a cocaine a, a addiction and the album before what's going on he decided he wasn't going to be involved in the promotion of the album. And he, mm. he basically stayed at home um, refusing to be involved in, in the promotion. And that's when he kind of lost his clean cut image. He grew a beard and he became the Marvin Gaye of what's going on. Yeah. And, and one of the interesting things, Dan, I mean, as we as you go through it, it, you have to conclude as well that music was changing because, I mean, Motown was a singles affair and. Um, and, you know, the, the people at the top of Motown Records, that's what that's what they believed in. That's what they wanted to do. And they really didn't want this kind of direction for Marvin Gaye whatsoever. Um, and they were dead against him doing it. Um, and they were dead against the idea of this, you know, concept album that he wanted to put out. But I think it's fair to say that, you know, that long form that Marvin developed, very, very influential on the form of music. And I mean, cause you're, you're entering into this period of the 70s. Uh, where Marvin Gaye, he really did change music, didn't he? And what you hear on this record, and it's a remarkable record, and if you people aren't familiar with it, just go and get it. it, it you will not regret it. But what's a m- remarkable, what you hear is, you hear Motown, you hear soul, uh, you hear blues, you hear jazz. Sometimes you hear all four going on in the one tune. And it is a remarkable collaborative record, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, and um, I think you almost hear kind of proto-hip-hop, you know, that kind of, with the bongos. Obviously, Mar- Marvin Gaye has been sampled hundreds, if not thousands of times by hip-hop artists, but I think yeah. you're, you're seeing the foundations of, of modern music um, being created here, and you, you said you, you, you know, listen to it live, um, or you listen to it live. I, I think he only performed it uh, all the way through once live. That's but, true. But, yeah. but what a, what an absolute uh, performance! Um, and and as you mentioned, the, the the Motown bosses they really didn't like the idea of of Marvin Gaye kind of um, indulging in this kind of what they saw as very kind of a political. Message. They hated it, but once um, he had the success of the first track that was released as a single, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. And um, once that was a success, Barry, Barry Gordy, who was the the the, the uh, boss in in Motown Records, approached Marvin Gaye asking him for an album. And knowing that Marvin Gaye liked a bit of a bet, he bet him 
that he couldn't um, produce the album What's Going On in 30 Days and Marvin Gaye delivered. So not only is this an incredible album, it's an incredible album recorded in 30 days, you know? Yeah, and, and I mean, all the more remarkable for it. And I think, I mean, one of the things I find about this album is that it, it frankly, it makes me want to lie down and relax. But yeah. the themes that it deals with uh, are far from easy ones. I mean, in many ways, would you call this a protest album? You'd have to say there's protest songs on it. There's elements of protest right throughout, isn't there? Mm, there is, like, loads of political themes. But the guy who wrote the song um, What's Going On, a guy called Obi Benson, who was in, 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 in well, actually, it wasn't Obi Benson who wrote it, but Obi Benson had the, uh, came up with the idea for the song and uh, a guy called Al Cleveland then wrote it based on conversations with Benson. And uh, Benson said, he said, you know, it's not a protest song. All I'm doing is asking what's going on. You know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm naming the problems um, that, that exist. But uh, he, he, he didn't want to frame it as a protest song. But I think, uh, you know, when you listen to a look back at, at what Marvin Gaye said in terms of his experience and, and, and his experience of witnessing riots and and uh, his own brother fighting in Vietnam, etc. Yeah. I think it's clear that there is a protest message in this album. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, it, it comes from a political context, doesn't it? I mean, what, what, wasn't it Ronaldo uh, Benson, the, you know, who, who wrote the song? Um, he, he'd been caught up on it, hadn't he, in, in the Bloody Thursday incident. And he, he'd been on a bus, um, and you know, as part of the Four Tops that got stuck uh, in the protests around that time. And, and that was the famous 1969 anti-war rally. Um, and, you know, you had Ronald Reagan was in the background. He was the governor of California at the time. And he'd ordered a clampdown, hadn't he, on the, on the University of, of California, Berkeley. And he called it a haven of communist sympathizers, protesters and sex deviants. Um, and there was a big anti-war rally um, and Reagan ordered the police and the National Guard to go in and there was riots um, and, you know, you know, bay you know, bayonets and shotguns, uh, many injuries. Uh, one person died and that was Bloody Thursday. And he witnessed that on the bus. And as you say, he asked that question, what's happening? And... Uh, yeah, I, I, from that came what's going on. And of course, uh, Marvin Gaye added his own uh, twist to that. He, he added in some lyrics, particularly, uh, you know, focus on his brother and his brother's experience in in Vietnam. And what you get is an extraordinary piece of music, which must be, I mean, it is it is it is his signature tune, I think, for certainly for me, very, very different to maybe a lot of the hits that people are, are also familiar with. Um, but it's a it's a, it's it. it it is, it is, isn't it an incredibly intense, atmospheric listening, while also being quite relaxing and, and gentle and easy? There's quite a lot going on in one song, isn't there, Dan? There, there is. And on, on Motown Records previous to, to what's going on, right, they often had the slogan on the, the various uh, single covers and album covers, Motown, the sound of young America. Yeah. And this album was when the naivety left music when the sound of young america ended and it became a much more in-depth look at the real teams affecting america and, and and even if you look at the album cover incredible cover by the way marvin gay just looks brilliant you have the rain falling but on the back 
you have Marvin Gaye standing in the rain, surrounded by abandoned toys, kind of yeah. hinting at the idea that uh, things are changing. We're not as innocent as we used to be. And now we're willing to get stuck into these um, difficult themes. But as you say, the, the, the incredible, incredible music um, and the, the, the experience all the musicians who play on the record um, bring to the table makes it a, 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 a quite it, it's just it, it is so relaxing it's one of those albums that I love to kind of lie down with my headphones on and listen to and one of the reasons I love listening to it particularly with headphones is because it really brings out the sound of the various um, musicians one of them being now he, he didn't play on all the tracks um, but he plays on most of the tracks the bass player James Jamerson um, he 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 is he has to be one of the greatest bass players ever. Flee from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And um, when asked about in in an interview about what he would recommend young bass players to do when learning how to play the bass, he said you should sit down and you should learn how to play along with what's going on by Marvin Gaye. And um, even though obviously the Red Hot Chili Peppers are from a completely different genre, it just yeah. shows the high esteem that James Jamerson is held in. And uh, apparently. Um, when he first sat down to um, record the album with Marvin Gaye, he was so drunk that he couldn't sit on a chair. And he actually, the, the, so the story goes, he lay on the ground playing the bass for the song, What's Going On? Um, but it's, it sounds amazing, you know? It does, Dan. And I mean, it, I mean, listeners to the Big Album Show will know that we do a top three. Uh, it gets my number one. Um, I'm going to assume it gets your number one as well. Am I right? Yeah, I'd say it. it it's de- it's definitely um, it's definitely one of my number ones. Anyway, it's uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's a really good song, and it, it, what a way to start an album. And even you can hear kind of Marvin Gaye's double tracked vocals on it. So sometimes it sounds like Marvin Gaye is actually singing with himself and uh, harmonizing with himself. And apparently that was. Uh, a mistake initially so he asked the producer to record his voice on two separate tracks so he could listen to which one was the best but the producer pressed play on both of the tracks at the same time by mistake and so you had this effect and when Marvin Gaye heard it he thought it was so good and um, that he he began to use it pretty much for the rest of his career and uh, I think it really adds a, 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 a kind of a, a live fluidity to the album. I mean, it became his signature, his signature move, really, didn't it, Dan? Um, and it happened by accident. So, you know, uh, giving giving truth again to the the words of John Lennon, life is what happens. Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Uh, so, you know, it, and you know, it's remarkable. There's some remarkable songs on the album. It's very difficult to come up with a with a little list. For me, Inner City Blues make me wanna holler. Uh, yeah. Is the second uh, finest track on it. Um, it is dark. Uh, it's again. It's, it, it is. It is relaxing to listen to, uh, and you and you and you can sit back and and just take it easy. But uh, when you listen to the lyrics, uh, things get pretty serious. Uh, you kind of paints the picture of the you know the man of the moon in the background, but then people not having much on the ground. He says rockets, moonshots, spending on the have-nots, money we make it, before we see it, you take it. Oh, make you want to holler the way they do my life. I mean, it's it, 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 it that is a. I mean, we discussed this, whether this is a protest uh, song or a protest album or not. I mean, for me, that's very, very strong elements of a protest song. 
and um, and what you get going through that is a kind you get that you get that voice that incredibly sweet soul for voice that he has which is remarkable in that it's so instantly recognizable as him nobody else sings like him yeah and and th- this song is incredibly authentic because you have both Marvin Gaye bringing his own experience to the table but the the person Marvin Gaye wrote this song with was a guy called James Nix Jr. And uh, Marvin Gaye had this um, tendency to work with uh, songwriters and musicians from Motown sometimes that others didn't regard as well as they should. And um, James Nix Jr., he was a a working class man. He had eight kids. He was, um, as well as being a songwriter from Motown, he was also the janitor and the uh, elevator operator. Um, So... It's not as if when when they were writing the song, they're singing from the perspective of you know superstars, um, even though obviously they were they were they were stars, but 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 they're they're earthed, they're singing from their own experience, and I think you can hear that very clearly. Yeah, I think so, Dan. And there's a remarkable live re- uh, performance of it. And um, you mentioned earlier he hadn't played. Before he, in the four years prior, he did a big gig, May 1st, 1972, in Washington, D.C. The city declared uh, May 1st, uh, Marvin Day, Marvin Gay Day. And um, he did this this remarkable show. um, And four years since he'd he'd played any shows at all. and and the recording of it they do that he there's a you can get the live album and on the recording he does it twice um and it, it is a it is a very 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 fine song indeed Dan do you have a number three or dare I ask yeah I I well I I I, th- I I'd say you picked this as your number three as well I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that uh, <laughs> did you pick Mercy Mercy Me the Ecology as your number three. No, no, you didn't. Oh my God, we have we have a, a difference of opinion here. Uh, well, let's talk about Mercy, Mercy Me first, and we'll we'll leave the listeners in suspense for a few minutes, and we'll find out what what you you picked. Mercy, Mercy Me for you know when I listen to it, what I hear is I hear one of the first songs and um, pop songs, if you want to call it that, or or soul song, that, that deals with the issue of environmentalism. Like he is singing about environmental destruction fifty years ago in a way that still sounds as fresh and as relevant as ever, right here, right now. Um, it's 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 a it's a brilliant song. Um, the the the, the I I think it's catchy. I think it's soulful. I think, as you say, it's relaxing, but it still has a kind of, um, it has an anger to it because, you know, Marvin Gaye is turning around and he's saying, look at the environmental destruction around me. Um, you know, look at the, 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 the toxic wind, look at, look at what's happening to this beautiful earth of ours. And I think that message clearly is, is now more relevant than ever. And if any song I've ever heard has managed to stand the test in time right. and, 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 and stay sound and contemporary, it's, it's mercy, mercy me. It could have been, it could be, it could be written and, and, and sung today and, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't bat an eyelid, you know? Dan, you know, that, that, that little, um, that, that, that take really has inspired me now. I, I feel as if I'm going to go on Twitter straight away and, 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 and start rounding up support 
for a stricter action on climate change and I'm going to go do more recycling and, and I'm going to, you know, really cut down on my footprint. I mean, you're, but, but I mean, in all seriousness, um, you're right. And I think, I mean, for me, you know, my probably the complete, my top, top three would probably God is love mm. because it is a real, it is a classic slice of gospel, right? Bang in, 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 in the, at the heart of the album. And, um, and, you know, Marvin Gaye, when you listen to him talk, he's a beautiful speaking voice and he talks about, you know, he often talks about, you know, you know, you know, he, he's he's so articulate. Um, but one of the things he says in, in in God is love, he kicks off by going, oh, don't go and talk about my father. Talk about my father. God is my friend. And, you know, he had a very troubled uh, and difficult uh, relationship with his father, um, well documented and that his father was very abusive um when he was when he was young and um you know when when i heard that i you, you know you can hear you can hear the pain in his voice i think mm. uh, even though it's a very uplifting song and you can't help but think uh, that he's talking about his father a little bit i would like to say Dan, as well while we're talking about, i mean i think it is really important when we're talking about this album that we remember marvin gay take you know he, he died far far too young in in very tragic circumstances in 1984 um, but I just wanted to read out a couple of his words. If people aren't familiar with Marvin Gaye, this is from uh, around the time of that concert that I mentioned in, in Washington, D.C. in 1972. That was when they gave him the um, uh, Marvin, De- Marvin Gaye Day, uh, as it was called. And you can get the live album, and it's really, really well worth a listen. Just called Marvin Gaye, What's Going On Live, which is a recording of that, that concert. Um, but it's very interesting. His attitude was, was very, very interesting because they... He said, I'm still, he didn't want to do the show. And he explained, he said, I'm still mad at Washington. What had they given me? Why should they, all of us shouldn't love me now that I've sold a few records? Where were they when I needed them? I considered Detroit, not Washington, my home. I resented the whole thing. I just turned 33. That was the age that Jesus died. I had a strong fear that I'd never live longer than Jesus. Um, and, and, and I wasn't interested in exposing myself any more than necessary marvin gay was 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 a fantastic artist an amazing singer brilliant recording artist beautiful singing voice led a very interesting life but led a extremely hard difficult and ultimately tragic life didn't he dan he did and 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 one of the things that kind of makes me sad looking at this album 50 years later is that a lot of the kind of pain and social problems and environmental problems um, and, and uh, discrimination that's, that's referenced in, in the songs still exist yeah. to a great deal today. And maybe it's a sad thing in, in many ways that some of the songs in terms of their lyrics resonate so much today and sound so contemporary because um, that's not to say that, you know, over the last 50 years, activists and, 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 and human rights activists uh, in, in, in the United States haven't, uh, you know, fought and, and, and made one great concessions over time. And it's not, it's not to take away from that, but obviously um, the fight goes on. And, and uh, when you listen to the pain in, on, on the album and uh, the struggles Marvin Gaye is, is singing about, you can see some um, comparisons today. Um, but Marvin Gaye also, he kind of, there's this kind of, when when you listen to the album and you 
you you you listen to it closely, you can almost feel a sense, and it just might sound a bit daft, right? But from start to finish, even though there's pain, there's anger, there's protest, there's a sense of love. There's a sense of a kind of a plea to people to come together. Um, and he seems to see the beauty in the world, yeah. even at times of great pain and injustice. And uh, I, I think that's I think that's profound. I think it's prophetic, you know. Yeah, I I, to- I totally agree with you, Dan. I mean, and and you've said it better than than I ever could. I mean, when you think about trying to sum up an album like this, it sounds relaxing, but then its themes are very deep. Um, all human life is there because you know there is a kind of at times there's this little optimism. There's beauty. There's joy. There's certainly love, but there is some amount of that is some amount of pain to put on one record Mm. yeah it it is um and like they they, they were difficult times for people you know um yeah and and i think there's 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 a there's a bravery and honesty in how he approached that record and i mean the story of it alone you know becoming this motown huge i mean he was the biggest remember he was the biggest motown star of the 60s right Mm. i mean he was number one um, he was the prince of Motown, uh, and then he tilts in the early seventies and does this album, which is record label are completely opposed to. Didn't want him putting out. He had to put out the single uh, in secret <laughs> behind the boss, but but the, the back of the of the senior uh, record uh, executives, um, and then he records this album in thirty days. And so many people reference this as one of their favorite albums, and it's very very interesting. Not all sorts of people just really, really love this album. And it has influenced, it's fair to say, Dan. I mean, you'd have to put it up there. As, I mean, there we go and say Hot Take is one of the most influential albums of all time. I'm not sure how far, how far you could go with that one, but it certainly has influenced, uh, you know, it, it's been a huge influence on contemporary music, hasn't it? Yeah, like a, a number of music publications like Rolling Stone, uh, NME, and at various stages, they've named what's going on as the number one most influential album ever and i think you hit the nail on the head there paul it it this album is some is an album appreciated by people from all walks of life like a lot of people they might not they might they might be rock fans or or, or brit pop fans or folk fans or whatever, whatever they are right and they might not necessarily be into motown or soul but when you mention this album to them most people kind of light up and have an experience with it um, it's 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 it, it it's one of those pieces of work that crosses genres, and uh, is just objectively brilliant. It is. I, I I completely agree, and and it's a challenge actually to to try and put it into words. Um, mm. I in in many ways because listening and and it's again it's an album not to be experienced track by track. It's an album to be experienced uh, fully from start beginning beginning middle and end it's that kind of record isn't it and you know i would really encourage people as well if you like the album check out the live version marvin gay what's going on live uh, now, and now one of the things that, that's interesting is when you think about it he recorded this album at a time of great change in music the single uh, which had been king was you know in in, in molten he it, it, he rejected that and embraced the the, the album long form a way of doing things um, and music keeps on changing it keeps evolving and I mean the idea now of a, a live album 
I think it's fair to say the live album has fallen out of favour. But here in the Big Album Show, we're keen to bring it back. Um, and it definitely is It is one of the best live albums you're ever going to hear. Um, not every track is flawless or perfect, but when you listen to it, you they manage to record um, some of the intensity and joy and love of that occasion uh, in Washington, D.C. In, in 72. So look, for me, Dan, I'm going to give this album... A very, very healthy and very, very positive eight out of 10. And I'm, you know, definitely going to keep coming back to it. Uh, it's a joy to listen to. And um, I would strongly recommend. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to give it um, a 9.5 out of 10 because um, I, I really do believe it lives up to its name as one of the greatest albums um, in music history. And I think... I, I think what you're saying about this kind of being a move away from the Motown single format towards the more meaningful album um, format is really interesting because right now in music, I think to some extent because of music streaming um, and, and, and that sort of thing, we're moving much more towards the kind of model of people listening to individual songs and singles um, online. Um, that, now, that's not to say there hasn't been fantastic albums released in the last number of years. Even this year, there's been great albums released. Um, but I think this album shows, it's a great example of how the album as a format is incredibly, incredibly important because you just couldn't possibly reflect as you said kind of all of human life in one song whereas this album as a piece of work where you know it, it just manages to capture so much of the 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 feeling the energy um of 1971 in the united states warts and all um, and i think it just shows what an important format the album is yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more with you, Dan. Um, and so say all of us, and I think all of our listeners on the Big Album Show. Um, if you're interested, uh, please do get in touch with us. Um, many people do. It's lovely to hear from people. Um, thank you for your takes. And thanks for again for your support for the show. Uh, and please continue to back us. We really appreciate it. Um, and thanks for listening to this edition of the Big Album Show. You're listening to the Big Album Show with Paul Dillon and Dan O'Neill.